I'm Daniel Farber, and you're listening to The Curious Wire. So this episode is exciting for a few reasons. One, Daniel is the, what's your official title and the name of your company? I'm the CEO of HLC Equity. Okay. And so you are a owner operator and you have, I guess, a, I don't know if it's a different title, but you have a management company, but you're an owner operator. Um, mm-hmm. But we actually know each other from way back when. Yep. Which is, is really cool. And we kind of reconnected because of LinkedIn and multifamily real estate. Yep. So I want to just dive in as a owner operator. You are looking for deals to acquire and then come in and operate and obviously grow the value of the property. For me, I see it in two parts. There's one finding the deal and and closing it. And then the second part is really executing the deal. And that is one, having a good business plan and two, the team that is executing on it. So if you could kind of walk us through a little bit of what is your mindset and what are you looking for when you're creating your business plan versus meaning what's your competitive advantage or whatever. I, I think a lot of people just look at numbers and the numbers line up and then they acquire a deal. And I, I feel like uh, a firm like yours is a little more sophisticated. You're looking at more than just the numbers of, of where the opportunity is to specifically operate better. Right. So, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, fundamentally, we definitely try and seek out areas where we have some sort of an advantage, right? So we have certain markets where we're more active. And uh, so we feel there that, that we may have more market knowledge, more infrastructure in place that we can carry out certain business plans. And then it's, it's really a, a factor of what do the numbers make sense? And then what do we feel confident that we can execute on? And then we have some of our kind of like in-house value added uh, you know, um, uh, features that we've built. So, um, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the simple math behind, Hey, this is a heavy value add deal that we can do because we feel that we know the market and we know how to play, you know, play this game. And we've done it several times and executed several times. So we feel very confident that between, you know, the, the premiums we can get, the financing we can obtain, the deal makes sense. And we're going to be able to operate it, uh, you know, with full conviction that we'll be able to execute. Or there are other deals that are just purely, um, you know, more operational deals where we feel that we have some sort of operational know-how that we, um, and also just our, our, our general uh, history, we can look at our, historically how we've performed various assets and there may be certain, you know, spending that we can do, reduce or expenses we can reduce and we don't necessarily have to uh, have some heavy value add plan. We can just go in and there's, there are, uh, you know, basic items that we can fix and we're also happy to, um, you know, to own cash flowing real estate. So if the deal works on a cash flow basis, a lot of times we're just more than happy to do it. We've done those deals. We've even been able to find those deals in the challenging times of 2021, where it was very hard to find cash flow. Um, and then, and then we also have our additional, um, you know, brand called Layers, where we have, uh, furnished, uh, apartments, which also al- allows us to drive premiums in, in some of our, uh, projects. So. I think something, at least what I've gained from you is, is you approach real estate with a real entrepreneurial mindset and you're always looking for how can we do more? How can we do things differently? And, to, and, and then you test it out and on your own property. And I find that very interesting. I think that, you know, at my company stage, we also have a very entrepreneurial mindset of, of it's not just 
I think a lot of people get stuck in this multifamily is like just keep doing the same thing as it's always been or just do what everybody else is doing. And I think that there is a real competitive advantage in having this entrepreneurial mindset of where are hidden opportunities or where are the opportunities that other people are not paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100 percent. You know, I mean, I think that in this is stuff that I, I think that we see uh, very similar. There's, there's also small changes in mindset that you're able to kind of implement that I think really do drive value. So like multifamily traditionally from a landlord standpoint, and just the term landlord is kind of a negative connotation. Um, you, you have, you know, this mindset that it's a very kind of oppressing business that you have to be in. And, um, and so I know that, uh, you know, you on a day to day, your operations team, um, you guys are very focused on kind of like being more customer focused and consumer focused and really building relationships and so forth. And, and that's another area where I think, you know, we're, we're, you're able to make small changes and really the human side, um, on a, you know, just a relationship side, uh, especially with the on-site teams and how you interact with them and how they interact with, uh, the customers. And I think that that, those, the small little changes like that can also drive long-term value. Uh, it's just harder to quantify over a short period of time. For sure. Now, is, I find it interesting when you talk about a competitive advantage in terms of knowing the market so we're we're based in maryland um all of our properties are local but there are different counties and even within the same state different counties can have nuances that we're learning and Mm -hmm. and adjusting adjusting and shifting so i think that one investors really have to know that when you say to know a market there's many things one to know the laws over there and and things that you could have a hiccup uh we recently had a, a challenge where we were buying a deal and that county has the right of first refusal. So, which I'm seeing this trend of, of government agencies buying property, which I think is a huge mistake. But right. anyways, those are counties you want to stay away from. And I think that that's really going to end up hurting those counties. And then you have other laws in terms of rent control. You have laws of renewal control and all sorts of, there's a whole list of them. So I think one, right. to your point, when you say that, and as investors, one should really understand the market and the, the nuances and, and laws. And, and then locally, you know, on the ground, the on-site team has to really understand what the, the driver is. So we, we acquired a new property recently and, and had a call and a meeting to really understand the, the market. And the school district is different in this, in this market versus the greater county. And, and at the draw, there's certain draws for, for teachers and different um, professionals, um, mm-hmm. you know, knowing uh, a military base that might be in an area. So sure. I think one as the investor, you have to really, that's one thing to really understand, know the market, what kind of jobs are there, what kind of incomes are people, what, what do people respond to? And then on the ground, really knowing your, your, your sub market, your specific area, because there's, there's so many nuances. Um, can you, if we actually go take a step back, what are an, some examples of where you having your entrepreneurial mindset has helped your business? Sure. So, I mean, I, I guess just, you know, it's kind of playing into what you were talking about because you do have to have, you know, there was a very, there is this very traditional real estate mindset that I think a lot of people have gotten over of like, you know, a lot of the biggest real estate families, they said, I don't want to invest in anything that isn't a walk from my home, right? Or, or, you know, they want it to be right in the area. And today, I think that that's expanded, but it is really important to have deep market knowledge. And so one of the ways that we're able to do this, especially when we're doing kind of like 200 plus unit deals, is um, it's, we're very reliant on 
the uh, on uh, the on-site team, particularly the property manager. And so we put a lot of emphasis on that team, especially the leader of that team. Um, so just as an example, you know, we're, we're active in the Dallas area, but we uh, in 2021, we came across a deal that we really liked. And it was in Oklahoma, about an hour and a half north of Dallas. And we felt we just after doing some initial market research, we said, you know, this is really interesting because it's benefiting from all of the growth of Dallas. And um, it, it, this specific market in particular was really interesting in terms of benefiting from that growth. And we said, well, that's interesting, you know, from a market perspective, but how are we going to actually operate this thing? Because it's in a small tertiary market. And, you know, how are we going to make the whole thing work? And so that's when we had to actually put on the operational excellence mindset, but also the entrepreneurial mindset of saying, like, we can do this, we'll make it work. Right. And so, so our up, some of our upfront work was, okay, what don't we know? Um, and then going in and trying to get the best team members that had actually operated in the local market, which is very hard in a tertiary market because there's few, a few of those top class, um, uh, property managers. Thankfully, we, we've got one and, and, you know, things have been great. But that's just an example of where you kind of have to get a little bit out of your comfort zone, but also know that there, you know, that you don't know what you don't know. And so be sure that you're open minded to try and learn everything because you're right. Um, you know, every, you know, county has its own quirks and you really got to know, you, you, you need to make sure that there's no, uh, ex, you know, unexpected occurrences because there will be for sure. <laughs> it's something that I, it's not very sophisticated, but what I've started to pay attention to when we do buy properties is finding certain common denominators. So we actually happen to have two properties that are in separate markets that are near Ikea or, you know, these big companies do a lot of market research when they come and they right. put in a location and, and trying to figure out like common areas. For me, that's like a, a, another, a little hack, like who, who are the retailers or who are the mm -hmm. bigger companies who spend a lot more time in trying to understand a certain market that that's going to drive success. Um, and then relating that to, to, to multifamily. So, uh, you know, Wegmans, I don't know in your markets if, if people have these, uh, but that's a big supermarket sure. is actually based in, in New York, but it's come all down the East Coast and then whatever your markets are. But, uh, you know, finding those big retailers that are, are growing and, and then figuring out the demographics or, or somewhat of the market based on, on some of those. Have you done something similar to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's also very market specific, but you're definitely right. There are certain grocers that we kind of like like to be by. And uh, so it's interesting that you pointed this out. So early, the, the early part of my career was based around retail real estate. And um, so we learned a lot about what drives these, you know, tenants and what, you know, the, what their formats are and what where, where they like to be and the traffic and, you know, all these types of different factors that go into their, their own real estate analytics. And I actually just did a video on social media um, that, uh, about Orange Theory in their early days, because it was very interesting that they were a company that did not have a lot of resources and they knew exactly where they wanted to be and they knew that their core customer was Whole Foods. So instead of like going out and hiring a bunch of real estate analytics people, they said, Hey, Whole Foods has a gigantic real estate team. Why don't we, you know, find out where Whole Foods is and then plan our locations based off of their growth? And, and so that was an interesting, you know, a little hack that I, we're constantly thinking of in terms of, um, you know, what, who are the local people in our market? But like, if we go to a new market, um, you know, we may say, you know, who is this, who is the local retailer? And if they're the local retailer is a Whole Foods versus, you know, a, a smaller or, uh, or a Walmart even, even though it's not small, 
but if they, that you, you know that it's kind of a different, um, you know, a, a, a different neighborhood or potentially yeah. could be or a different market. So it's just interesting dynamics. We definitely try and pay attention to and retail drives a lot. Um, you know, as much as it's being bashed today, it definitely drives a lot because ultimately, you know, people like to pay to be close to um, good retail. Yeah, that's a cool story to know about it. Orange Theory, and I like that one. Yeah. In terms of, okay, so back to the framework of part one is finding a deal, executing, knowing the market. Part two, or finding a deal, part two is the execution, that's the team. I think that there's two things that are happening in our space is one, the staffing is, is is an issue for everybody, but I think that the or I think it makes a great opportunity for management companies in terms of having a great culture and a place that that people actually want to work. I like to think of it in terms of college basketball. There are schools that don't have to do recruiting. Like everybody wants to play for that school. The top players want to play there, and there's a reason. So I'm curious how you look at that in terms of attracting a talent and i think a big part of that is also like the ability to develop talent and people want a career they want a place that has growth uh, i don't know if, how involved you are in the the operational part of it but if you could speak about it because i get the sense that you really care about your people and your culture at your company is is critical and uh whatever you could share about that yeah sure no 100 percent. so i mean i think ultimately it, it boils down and i know it's cliche and everybody talks about it but it really boils down to the corporate values or the values of the company and who, you know, the, the, the leadership of the company is, but not what the leadership's values are, but what are the actions that everybody within the company, are, you know, are doing on a day-to-day -day basis that they say, hey, these are the values that we live by. And if those values are strong, if the team, not the leader, but the team is able to identify those values and say, this is what we live by, then I think that it, it really trickles down um, from every, every aspect of kind of like the ladder, so to speak. So, uh, for us, definitely, you know, um, making sure that we're aligned in terms of our values and the HLC values are integrity, owning it, caring and ingenuity. And so, you know, just making sure not as words that those are out loud, but that our leadership knows that. And then our leadership, uh, you know, is living by that when they deal on a day to day basis. And so for me, uh, what's great is, you know, we have a great head of operations at our team, and then we have great area managers, and then that goes to the property managers. And when we do um, company get-togethers, and I'm, you know, chatting with some of our team members, whether it's the leasing folks or the maintenance folks, and I get the feedback, not from me, but from, hey, I love this team. And, and I mean, there was you know, there, one of our one of our assistant managers, she was like, you know, my boyfriend wants me to move to Tennessee. There's no way I'm moving because I am not leaving this company. Um, that's just, you know, that's just really great and really reinforcing in terms of um, if you're able to get the values right in a company, you know, obviously there's still going to be challenges and ups and downs and everything. But I think that it's a very, uh, very, very important thing that that that's very easy to say, but it's really hard to actually do it. Um, and the way you do it is just by living it. Yeah, that's a cool story. And I think that that type of thing really is a game changer when you can uh, recruit talent that wants to stay with you for a long time, that wants to grow. And there's that, there is that opportunity for that. I, you know, I do all the hiring for leasing and I always start with there's, there's, there's a good news and there's bad news. The bad news is we never know when the growth is going to happen and where it's right. going to be. Yeah. But the good news is like we're growing and those that stick around long enough have, have been able to benefit from that and, and to grow. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah. By I, the way, I, I do think the growth story, it has to be real, but the growth story is, is like, 
that helps you filter out who's really who re you really want on your team because somebody who's going to be open to that first of all they want to grow and secondly you know they're 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 excited about the opportunity whereas um you know we're able to get some, we've been able to get some great talent from the big uh you know management companies the well-known national hundreds of thousands of units uh management companies we've been able to bring them over because uh a they identify with the values b they want to grow and uh and 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 they just you know in general it's it's just been a really good fit for us yeah i think that there's a challenge with these larger companies is the they're very fragmented it's you know when you have mm -hmm. this a beast of a company it's hard to have that Right. Those values consistent all over the place. And I think that there's a huge advantage for smaller companies or uh, growing companies to, um, to provide a place where, where there could be a lot more consistency. Um, I, so as we wrap up here, I am curious, like, what's your take on, on multifamily now? What are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? Sure. So in terms of, uh, are we moving over to like kind of acquisitions, how we're looking at acquisitions? Yeah. yeah so. You know, I, I think right now um, it's, it's definitely an interesting period in time um, that, you know, I, I don't like to make huge predictions because I, I our job, the way I view it from an acquisition standpoint is our job is to um, basically it's a probability game of like what could happen, uh, but always protecting that that whatever we think could happen may not happen. Right. So there is definitely, you know, a reality in which there could be, you know, great bargains in the future. And there, there's going to be a lot of major challenges as a lot of debt maturities come due. Um, but, it, but it, it, you know, so theoretically, if you look at it from a pure number standpoint and maturity date standpoint, it makes sense that there's going to be mayhem in the market. And so some people, you know, might get all excited. Oh, I've been waiting for my whole career for this and so on and so forth. I guess I'm, I, you know, definitely we know that that reality exists. And well, some, I just want to say that I never like to kind of like talk about blood on the streets because I don't want anybody to get, hurt uh, financially or in any other way, but, uh, you know, it could, it could come about at the, at the same time. I mean, like, you know, we went through a pandemic and everybody was so sure that this is the end of, you know, the, the investment market, there's going to be amazing opportunities. And that also didn't happen. So for, from our standpoint, really what we're looking at is can we find, um, you know, solid real estate and can we get it at numbers that make sense, which we're starting to see. And is there a growth opportunity not over the next year or two, but over the next five to 10 years. Um, I think that, you know, the mindset of, oh, I need to do this three to five year business plan and get out is something that was made up by the private equity industry that, you know, really is not, um, I don't think it's the healthiest way to look at investments. I think, you know, it's better to look at them over the long term. We do do some shorter duration investments, but I think that especially during this time, if you're able to buy something that makes sense, which we're able to, we're starting to see, we're starting to see deals in which, you know, you can maybe assume a loan at call it three to three and a half percent and you're able to buy it all of a sudden at call it a five and a half to six and a half percent, just depending on the market and, and the different dynamics. So that's, that's something that all of a sudden it's not great. It's nothing to, you know, get all excited about, but it's something that no, it's numbers that made a lot more, that make a lot more sense on a return basis than, you know, a year or two ago. So we're, we're still kind of underwriting a lot, uh, potentially closing on, some that are interesting. And we've also honestly spent the last half a year really making sure that our operations are tight and uh, refinancing a couple deals that we wanted to make sure we're more secure given the uh, vol volatile interest rate uh, market. So that's really what we've been focusing on from an acquisition and business kind of growth 
perspective. And before we, we, we finish up, what's a, you can do a commercial for a product, nothing to do with real estate that you use. Um, what's a product that you would share with people? Nothing connected to real estate? Nothing. I, I mean, it could be if you want, but. Okay. You want, you want me to make it funny? Sure. Okay. So people ask me how, you know, I, I have this like slick, bald thing going on. And, and you may remember, but I used to have curly hair, right? I used to be frizzy and curly. So I found this thing that it's, it's a, it's an actual, um, it, it's, it's a razor that you put in your fist like this and you literally just go like that and it does it in about two minutes. I don't even remember what it's called. It's called the, I, I, Pitbull. It's called Pitbull. And, okay. uh, I don't know. I don't know if that helps, but the proof is in the pudding because I'm able to do it every day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there we go. So Pitbull is a, a shaver for your head for anybody who yeah. needs that. All and right. I have no no alignment with them, and I get no uh, sponsorship uh, fees or anything. <laughs> okay, great, Daniel. This is fun. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much, and it's great to see you, and great to see the great work that you're doing in the industry. Thank you. Bye.